0: Love the
1: part of you that you hide from others. Love the part of you that cries. Love the part of you that didn't listen to your intuition. Love the part that did listen to your intuition. We don't create sustainable growth when we are motivated by self-hatred or self-loathing. Love the part of yourself that judges and love the part of yourself being judged. The answer is an unconditional love. Love yourself. Love yourself anyway. Love yourself in the midst of pain, sorrow, joy, regret, and jubilee. Claim all of you. Claim all the facets and love them tenderly. These are incredible words from our honored guest today, Shirley Johnson. Welcome, Shirley, to the All Heart Podcast.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for reading those words. I needed to hear them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we got to talk to ourselves in the future, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: Always. So would you? I would just love if you introduce yourself, who you are, and what your work is, and then we're going to get into some questions.
0: Cool. Hi, everyone. My name is Shirley Johnson. I am... I am (laughs) I am I am I am Um, I am a licensed psychotherapist I work with adults and couples energy worker and yoga student teacher been in this path for a while of self inquiry and exploration probably for like the last 15 years and that has really been a big part of what roots me to my human experience.
1: Thank you. So the first question I love to ask everybody there's three. The first one is how do you like to be loved?
2: Woo! <laughs> oh
0: goodness, Moni, I'm about to. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. And <laughs> <Enough. laughs> Um. You know, one thing I've learned about myself in the last couple of years is how much physical touch is a form of love for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: um, holdings, just hand on my knees. I really love being loved with touch. And I also, I love being loved with presence, with people who are able to show up and be present and where there is the void of that anxiety that is trying to fix something. Mm-hmm. that for me feels really, really, I'm noticing that's how I love to be loved. And my my recent inquiries have been also around looking at the ways that I have learned to resist being loved the way that I loved, have learned to push away um, being loved the way that I want to be loved and, mm-hmm. and really also holding love for those parts that have learned to push away, or that do push away still.
1: And how do you like to love others? So I hear, I hear what you're saying of how you like people to bring that love in, and then how you also resist that. How do how are you giving that love out?
0: Yeah, oh, I love loving up on others. I love giving to people. I love like people's birthdays and giving them gifts. Um, I love giving people words of affirmation and how amazing and glorious they are i also love being able to touch people and rub them or hold them especially in moments where they they need that and i also love to love people by giving them the space to ask me for what they want Mm. what about that
1: resistance that's on the other side does it ever show up in you giving or only in receiving
0: Mm, That's a good question. No, it shows up in me giving sometimes too. Not as much in the giving, but it definitely shows up because there's times when I notice it's like a younger part of me surfaces. I'm the oldest child. And, you know, the story that myself and many other older children tell themselves is that their parents give more tenderness to the younger children. Mm. and it's not necessarily true, but that's part of the the story. And there's times I notice, even with my adult friends, that I'll get a little jealous. I'll be like, oh, everyone's giving them love. Like, I want some love. Like, I don't want to have to give that. They're getting so much. And in those moments is very good information for me to, it's been great information for me to see. Usually that's when I'm burnt out mm-hmm. and I'm at capacity. And instead of, verbalizing that and communicating that sometimes that feeling will be the the like information of like oh okay I can just verbalize to this person like I really don't have the capacity right now to to listen or show up in this way
1: Do you ever do that uh we're both audience we're both team Taurus okay just letting you know I'm talking yeah, okay. to my Venetian sister so do you, do you ever do that Taurus thing of like shutting down it's something yeah. that people point out to me all the time like just like oh yeah you're so loving and then all of a sudden there's just like this wall that goes up and you just pull all the way back do you do that absolutely I'm a master shut downer. <laughs> I've mastered that you think it's a do you think it's ever a,
0: a helpful tool? Yeah, I think everything is a helpful tool. I think <laughs> as my my therapist says, it's a creative, you know, she uses the term creative adjustment. Mm. I think that it's a creative adjustment. I think as I see myself do that, I get curious about what other ways are there to ask for what I want or to e- express what I'm experiencing without Shutting down because sometimes I'm noticing sometimes not always the shut down. I feel that wall goes up and I feel isolated. Yeah, how can I be like, no, and like I don't have to have a wall up. Yeah, that's a, you know, probably a journey for life. But, you know, we're all we're all figuring out and exploring these patterns that we've made work for us and getting to keep re figuring out if they still work for us.
1: What's something you feel like all of us at this moment need to be real with ourselves about? This whole season is called, like, be real with yourself. So right now in this moment, which I call the global reckoning that we're all facing, what is the one thing you feel like we need to be real with ourselves about?
0: One thing? <laughs> you, can, you can name three. <laughs> The first thing that I think we have to be real about is seeing, just knowing ourselves, seeing Mm -hmm. ourselves, what we do, seeing our habits, every habit. And I, that makes me think about like the keeping it real also with how we relate to the earth, Mm -hmm. you know, really seeing how we relate to the earth. I, I walk through the street and I see litter litter is a huge pet peeve for me. Mm. I could go off if I saw <laughs> But right. seeing ways that we do though, and I'm not saying I'm exempt. I don't maybe litter on the street, but like,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
0: there's ways that I turn on the shower before I get in. You right. Know, other dynamics that I'm like, okay, like I got to keep seeing these parts of me. So really seeing how we relate to the earth, because I think this is also a season, as you said, global. Earth is really speaking to us.
1: Right now, in this moment, there's a hurricane.
0: And we just had the wildfires all throughout California. I mean, they're still going on. Mm -hmm. Earth Mother is speaking to us, and we belong to her. She does not belong to us. Mm -hmm. So being real about our connection to the earth and how we are relating to the earth every moment.
1: I love that. I want to rewind a bit. I want to know about your background. I realize, like... You and I have known each other, you know, as casually, but I don't know anything about you. I don't know where you're from. I don't know what you studied in school. I want to start with um, maybe some of the childhood lessons that you had to integrate to come into where you are now. And then like, tell me more about your background, what you, how you got to where you are in your work.
0: Yeah, childhood wise. Um, So as I mentioned, I'm the oldest child of my mom and my father. My father had other kids before me and my brother, but I primarily grew up with just me and my brother. Mm -hmm. And my mom and father were both musicians. My father was my mom's like adult music teacher. Hmm. So my mom is about 12 years younger than him. She was in her 20s, he was in his 30s. I think she was actually dating one of his students, who's my Brother's godfather, and who's an amazing jazz guitarist. My father is a jazz guitarist but played like seven instruments, mm. and they connected. And um, my parents had a very, how do I want to call it? They had a very human. <laughs> I'll just say he's Aquarius. Okay. Aquarius, and she's Leo. Okay. And they're both very talented artists in all respects. I'm, I bow to their creativity. Mm. When they were pregnant with me, you know, my mom said they used to do like a lot of astral travel. (laughs) And I really like sharing that because, yeah, I felt, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, like this has been in my Mm-hmm. my bones before they were even bones to like mm. have a sort of lens of seeing and it gives mm-hmm. it makes sense to me of like oh right like some of this they programmed into me and I'm programming yeah I love that um I was born in Brooklyn New York and I was raised mostly in the Bronx my parents divorced when I was pretty young and they had a very violent relationship as well and so mm-hmm. I have a younger brother my younger brother and I are best friends we're 18 months apart
2: mm-hmm.
0: and in growing up you know I grew up in so many i the word liminal keeps coming to me like so many of these like in between spaces um, my parents you know I'm mixed race my mother's white my father's black so there was that sort of like in betweenness of like mm-hmm. not and in and th- and those days, in, in the 80s in the South Bronx, New York, it wasn't the norm the way that maybe being in the Bay Area, Berkeley, is the norm to see mixed race oh. families.
1: Wait, I want to ask you a quick question right there. Like, why they name you Shirley? Because Shirley Johnson is the, <laughs> the ultimate auntie name at the church d- doing all of the potato salad. <laughs>
0: Well, I am very, very, yes, that's a good question. And it's a very clear answer. And when I was born, my father in his very fixed Aquarius way was like, we're naming her, we're naming her after her grandmother's." So my middle name is Constance. Shirley is my dad's mom. Constance is my mom's mom. So that was that (laughs) after my grandmother's. So yes, Shirley is my grandma and I got that grandma energy in me. You better come through, Shirley. Shirley. She'd say Shirley. to me, you don't don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. I said, Grandma, I can't forget about you. We got the same exact name. <laughs> I have never met someone my age named Shirley. <laughs> um me neither. <laughs> I was like, every time and there'll be times I'll meet people and they'll like email with me or talk with me on the phone. And then they'll meet me and they're like, oh, I was expecting like a 70 year old. <laughs> and I'm like, I know.
1: So you had that liminal experience of two, like a biracial couple, that kind of, but did you always identify as black when you were growing up? I mean, you were growing up in New York.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I always, and I grew up around black people, like in people of African descent, like Puerto Rican, black American. West Indian people, primarily. Mm. Um, and so I don't, biracial was such a not, I, I don't even identify as biracial now. I would identify, mm. as, I just identify as black still or aboriginals, what I'm starting to use. Same. <laughs> um, just putting that in because, you know, the experience of being black is the experience of not being singularly like one singular race for the most part in this mm-hmm. the reality of the black at least the black american experience um you're not it's most people are not full african like hate to break it to everyone <laughs> <laughs> it's true so i don't know if i i don't know as a young young child i don't remember but by the time i have was an adolescent i identified as black and yeah, I didn't I never really overthought it. Oh yeah. the way I look. I I you know I don't look I never looked like, oh, are you white? Like no. No, you look you look like a
1: more. Um so I there's so <laughs> so that so there's that. Um but what are those lessons that you had to like kind of identify as you got into your early twenties that you needed to work through from your childhood?
0: Yeah. Well, a lot. I mean, one I think is that being the oldest child, so my parents had a rocky relationship and I took on a role of being sort of a parentified child, right? Caretaking. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a mistake or a coincidence that I've chosen the line of work that I'm in as a therapist Mm -hmm. to listen, being able to attune, even though I'm only 18 months younger than, older than my brother, (laughs) (laughs) I... I looked much older than him as a kid. It took Mm -hmm. me until our teenage years or adolescent years that we kind of caught up, but I was taller. I was, you know, I had a certain confidence that came with sort of having to feel at least like I had a vigilance of what was going on. And one thing I'm learning about the work that I do now is that many people in this kind of, any kind of quote unquote healing field, Many people are drawn to it because they have that background of being the caregiver or having to tend to others from being a child. But the only way to make this kind of work sustainable is to learn, is to unlearn how to do that. Mm. So it's this interesting paradox. So I think a big thing is like learning to, and it's, this is still a journey for me, like learning to feel lovable Mm. when I don't, when I don't have anything to give anyone.
1: Shirley, you said, you, sh- you said something, that was a few weeks ago. You said, who am I when I have nothing to give? And it, it brought up for me, I remember a f- an old friend told me our relationship. I had nothing more to offer her is what the language was around our friendship splitting. And that, that still sits with me. This was like seven years six years ago. And I, I haven't ever been able to stop thinking about that because I was like, well, what kind of dynamics am I setting up where it's transactional that our friendship is predicated on the idea that I give to you, I do something for you and you receive, and then at the moment I don't have more to give, then the relationship has no more value, right? right. So, so that idea that you're saying, like, that hits home with me so much and figuring out how to pull back. That's what I've been doing a lot of is like, let me, how can I pull back right now? Because we all know I could run the show. I could run this show. I could, and, and if I'm gonna run it, I'm gonna run it. It's going to be ran, right? So how can I sometimes pull all the way back and not take care of it because I think sometimes even people who are good in business, you, you're, you're using the same, it's the same skill, right? You're a good manager. So you're managing people. You're determining the flow. You're, this is how it's going to go. Here's, here's how we achieve. All of those things. I do it in on, on, on all realms, right? That kind of caretaking. And I've been starting to pull back, saying, you know what? Let me do my part. Just my part. Just let me just fill in my little part of the circle and just pull back and be quiet. <laughs> like witness what other people do when I don't come in and clean up and Umi out out of this world. And you know, I don't need to be everybody, mama. I got four kids.
0: Okay. And your own an inner child. <laughs>
1: Who still needs a lot of love.
0: Yeah. I, you know, the other thing, as I hear you say that, you know, it's like how, still learning, it's like to just be. What does it mean when humans can just be with each other? I think this is the return, this is truly, I think the nature of humans is being with each other, not doing with each other. Yeah, we farm together and draw water from the well together and all that stuff, but not having to always be busy together. Like sometimes, This weekend, I just hung out with my girlfriend, and she has a seven or eight-month-old baby. And we were texting, and she was like, I have to go to Target and Whole Foods today. And I was like, do you want company? Mm. She was like, yeah, that'd be great. Like, I love her. I love her baby a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, no agenda. She just came pick me up. We were in the car together, you know, running through these stores, running errands. And it felt like being, you know, it didn't feel like oh, we're having, we have to do this thing and we have to come off this way and dress this way and take photos. It was like, this is just women being together. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that is so, you know, and even thinking of like, what is it like to be with your supposed best friends in a room and no one talking? Mm -hmm. Just drinking tea, drinking water, everyone Mm -hmm. just in their own subtle contemplation. What does that feel like?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh well, that's, that's how, different. That, that's how I met you. We were sitting, drinking tea, l- looking around.
0: Yes, so and then <laughs> we had a sound bath, right? That yes, was. we did. And then we were just sitting and receiving sound bath. Yeah. That's why I don't know a thing about you. <laughs> and at the same time, you know everything.
1: And at the same time, I know you. Exactly. Because we okay. were just in each other's energy, yes. just chilling. They you know.
2: When
0: Go you ahead. See- when you sing together with people, you you know that person differently than when you talk to them. Mm. People who sing, and my father did that with me and my brother every time. And my parents ended up divorcing, and you know we'd have the visits on the weekend stuff mm. or whenever. And right before my father would drop, you know, the the drop off or whatever was happening, he would just bring me and my brother in, and we would just harmonize together. Mm. We would just harmonize, sing. We'd just make sounds and harmonize together. And I never will forget that memory. And it's so, even right now, I feel, I feel so touched by that very sweet communication that's happening on a different level than, you know, bah, 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 whatever. Like, I know something about my father that's beyond what my words can express from that moment. And I didn't have a ton of time with him as a kid. Mm. So that transmission, though, still stays with me. I love that. I'm going to tell all of
1: y'all, Shirley just gave you a bonus episode. I've, <laughs> been, I've been wondering if I should do it, and you just confirmed it. And it's me and my mom harmonizing together. <gasps> so we'll put it, it, we'll put it in relationship to this episode. It'll be a bonus. We, I grew up with me, my mom, my auntie, and my grandma, who's passed all singing four part harmony, you know, a bunch of just the old like Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the middle of the air, you know, <sighs> like he's my rock, my sword, my shield, you know, we, and I always got to, you know, I, they gave me the melody <laughs> cause I was the baby. <laughs> so they gave me the melody and then they sang all these parts. But when I think about us, that's the, like you said, that's that precious memory of the way all of our voices came together so i've been wondering if i should share that so i will
0: wow oh, i want to give you a memory it's that's when the funny. memories in your cells is not contained only to your brain
1: yeah it's in my body it's become a somatic thing so even when i'm feeling a certain way i sing those songs even if i'm alone mm-hmm. how did you get into Kudalini yoga cuz i I'm going to tell you the truth. I've only been to a few kudalini classes. It's always a white lady. She's always dressed in white. She's having me go like this. Uh Y'all can't see me, but I'm just gyrating my hips around. And she's like, move up the energy. Move up the energy. Let the snake rise. Let the snake rise. And every time I'm like, "Uh, I'm going to catch y'all in yin yoga. I'm out. I want (laughs) to Yin yoga is... Mm. It's a tourist dream. It's just, just chill. I love it. But how did you get into it? How did that become a part of your practice?
0: Oh, okay. So years ago, I lived at Kripalu in on in Western Massachusetts. It was an old ashram, and I lived in service. I lived in seva. I washed dishes, and I lived in a dorm there. Hmm. And so I was a community member, and they had a they had a part of the center even though they had teachers from all over the world come in they also had this designated program to sort of honor this lifestyle that is part of the yogic lifestyle karma yoga seva yoga right being in service that's a form of yoga um so i was there in service living mm. i had been i'd been studying yoga previous to that but this was a different kind of immersion lifestyle right you're mm. you're kind of in this you're in this like little incubator. Well, I mean, everyone can make it what they want. But for me, I was like, I'm in self-study mode for these next couple months. Mm. And there was a, another um, volunteer who was taking a Kundalini teacher training. And I had been to maybe one class before and I remembered looking around because mostly my background at that point was Hatha Yoga, Hatha mm. Vinyasa. Mm. I would look around. I remember looking around that class and I saw people crying and weeping and I felt a lot of energy moving through me. And I was like, something's going on here. It's different Mm -hmm. from what I've seen, but something is going on. Mm -hmm. Back forward, I get to Kripalu. This volunteer is in his training. So he starts to offer us a morning practice at four o'clock in the morning, because that's generally the time that kundalini yogis and other yogis and other spiritual practitioners practice is in that that what they call in kundalini yoga, the amrit vela, the Mm. sacred nectared time of the day, Mm. between four and 7am. They say that that's, the earth is on a different axis at that point. Mm. You can breathe better. You have more access to prana, to that life force energy. Mm. So he's teaching his class. I start going weekly and I'm like, I'm starting to be homegirl who I saw in the class the year before. I'm crying. I'm having all these repressed mm. memories come back to me. Mm. Um, I'm addressing certain conversations with my my mother. All of a sudden, I'm like, "Oh, it's time for me to tell her some things that impacted me from my childhood." I think that's another lesson that. Mm -hmm. I'm continuing to integrate as not caretaking for my mother not caretaking for other people by Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know by not saying what I feel by not fully expressing myself and from then on I just was so curious about the practice and then when I moved to LA because there's lots of kundalini yoga community in LA you know I started to go and continue practicing at least once a week Mm -hmm. and years later, I met my teacher who's also in LA, Krishna Carr, who is an Mm -hmm. amazing Mm -hmm. 80-something-year-old Black Mm -hmm. master teacher, still teaching, Mm -hmm. and uh, studied with her and, and continue to take classes with her online when I can. But That practice continues to feed me in building my awareness. And yes, we do be doing a lot of, (laughs) there there do be a lot of that, those super grind, whatever, (laughs) gyrating. The technology is really about supporting people. And the thing is, right, real talk, I have a homeboy who is a Kundalini teacher. He's Jamaican. And I remember he told me one time, he was like, he had went to some Kundalini festival and he's hardcore in the, the Kundalini. Mm. He went to some yoga festival and he, it was all, you know, as you can imagine, mostly white teachers. And he was saying like, I already know how to move my hips. I'm Jamaican. Okay. Wind it and, down. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's kind Wind of like, it. sometimes though, I imagine, you know, for some white folks it's very important to have them do those movements. And for some of us who are from different cultures where we are used to moving our hips freely mm-hmm. or with more freedom, and our dances and our rhythm, the doing all of that is, it feels kind of orchestrated because I can do all that at any time. I don't Uh, need to be like, okay, it's time for yoga. Okay, I'm doing that. I'm like, I'm doing that when I'm cleaning. I'm doing that when I'm, you know. Uh, Fucking. I'm I'm doing that when I'm fucking. (laughs) I'm always trying to do that. I'm (laughs) I'm
1: always, I was like, okay, so what are we doing here? Because I've been doing
2: this
0: but you know and i because i love dancing cuban salsa music too. Mm. and um you know the technology right is that in kundalini yoga you have the base of your spine is this potent a- area where it said that that's where the kundalini this creative potential energy that resides in every human being has the ability to travel up the spine right moving through all the chakras moving from the material realm into the etheric realm all the way to our crown into the infinity so that's what can create that's what can make our body this vessel between earth and heaven right like we become the creator we become this alchemist we become this vessel we already are the vessel but we become in tune and conscious of that reality but you know in dancing cuban salsa i was like i get that same energy Mm -hmm kundalini yoga as i do from cuban salsa
1: so for me right Kundalini has always been tied into sexuality because of how i was introduced to it i was introduced to the idea of the Kundalini energy from this incredible teacher who had been in prison his name was splitting the sky And he had written this book and was doing this event that I went to. I was maybe performing at, can't remember, you know, the 2000s. I lived a life. It was amazing. So he told all of these people in this book and at this speech he made that he was masturbating in prison. And as he was masturbating in prison constantly, he started to feel his energy rising up. He decided not to, you know, spill his seed but to send the energy back up the other way. He just was being creatively curious, right? I don't know if he had been reading books about it. I don't know what he was busy doing or if he was just bored, right? Like, but he started realizing that he could feel this snaking energy rising up within him. And he did it so many times that eventually it got into his, his crown and he achieved this incredible enlightenment. And so my that I was 19, 20, and I was just like, What? You can you can masturbate and achieve nirvana? That's what's up. And so I love how much you talk about sexuality. Last week we were talking about that wet ass pussy on here. I kind of want to know like how Kudalini has informed the ways you look at sex, the ways you look at monogamy polygamy polyamory like i want to know about that yeah our wild nature
0: Mm. you know well another thing i'll say is kundalini yoga is the yoga of awareness Mm. on any level what this practice for me continues to do is make me more aware and when i say aware it also means it makes me question everything everything Mm. that i've taken in as normal Everything I've taken in as status quo, being like, "Hold on, is that true? Does that work for me?" Mm. Another, you know, as I think about healing, you know, there's also been so much healing I've had to do around my own sexual mm-hmm. desire, my own um, body, and how sex relates to the body. From being a child and having um, experiences of being sexually violated, and mm-hmm. Experiences of also being shamed sexually, mm. you know. I think that's in the air that for many people we breathe. It's like, oh don't don't wear that. Don't be too sexually charged, if you will. Right. And that still is a journey to be like, how can I let myself be as sexually charged as I want to be, mm-hmm. right? as I want to be, and what it means to me. You know, mm-hmm. so something where I can have cleavage, you know, like there's a charge there for for me and mm-hmm. for other people and being okay to not caretake for other people's how it charges them being like that's for you to care for mm-hmm. this is for me to care for so it's also helped me also bring some healing to also masturbation wounds of feeling shame for masturbating i also grew up part of my life catholic so there's you know lots of that same right lots of yes. that programming about guilt yeah. and sex that's in there so how does kundalini impact? So similar to the brother that you're talking about I I did a I've gone through some interesting queries of just questioning like what happens. So I've gone through phases of no masturbation, no orgasm, no touching mm. my body in an erotic way. Mm. And and I would go through these phases of also then learning or being creative and being like can I orgasm without touching myself? Mm. And then finding like, yes, I can. And I remembered I went through a, a long con. I was consciously, I'm saying long. It was like 40 days or something. Mm, um, that's long. Yeah. <laughs> that's for so. of like, <laughs> not touching myself. No, e- no erotic touch, no orgasm. It was actually the day before I was going to this like big Kundalini workshop. And I was playing with, okay, can I have an orgasm without touching myself? So I start grinding my hips, right? Mm. And all the, I feel the energy channeling, moving up me, and I remember having an orgasm in my heart. Yes, I felt yes. it move up to my heart and explode in my heart. Mm. Energy, and that that kind of opened me to realizing, right? Like we're not limited to the orgasm happening in our you know, quote unquote, reproductive area, like, I don't even know if I like that term anymore, because every part of us is a reproductive area. But in our root, root, in our root, Mm. it's not limited to that. But I was able to really in that moment, harness and feel the energy and realize I'm not even touching myself. No hands. Right? That's just pure energy moving through me. So I think that the Kundalini yoga also primes For me, it primed me for being able to sense into those subtleties.
1: I have a question there. Okay. Because I had this experience before and I, I, but not alone. And sometimes I wonder, do you think that if you have that, if you had that experience with another person, does that give you a different kind of a bond? That's almost, um, I don't want to say unbreakable, but it, But a very, you know know what I'm saying? I think you know what I'm saying, girl. I want you to tell me that. Yeah, I
0: think it, I definitely, well, and to your question, yeah, I think when we do have those moments with another person, it does create a connection, I'm going to call it, Mm. that is maybe subtly different than the connection we might have with someone else. Mm. and I think one thing I'm also in my own awareness questioning or just being curious about is what is this monogamy story that I've learned come on come with it let's talk about it yeah let's talk about it brought it up and (laughs) I don't identify as being poly because I to me I I don't even want to like go into like I'm monogamous or I'm poly like I'm figuring it out and I'm being I want to be communicative with every partner of mine. Mm -hmm. I want to have an open heart and I want to see each of them as someone to learn from. And I don't want to have to be like, I'm this, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. like, it's more fluid than that. Yeah. So, and I love um, the work of Carl and Kenya Stevens. Like they just call it open relating. I love that open relating.
1: I love that. If y'all haven't followed them, they used to have a brand called Juju Mama. Yeah. I've definitely studied in their group. I know both of us have. Yeah. They have such great, if you even just go to them to learn how to communicate.
2: Word. If, Word. You, if,
1: you, are, if you are constantly disrespectful, which, yeah. I, which I have an issue with, okay, I'm going to tell y'all, this is keep it real with yourself. Noni Lamar has the issue of being disrespectful to a nigga. That's me. I'm the one. If I feel disrespected, I'm coming for you. Thank you, Kenya. Thank you, up-level. Thank you, up-level. Because Kenya got the same. I was like, oh, there's another bitch with my issues. I started reading her book. Oh, my God. Because people are honest, right? Everybody want to pretend like... Like they
2: don't
0: yeah.
1: But then yeah. you were like, well damn, why do people keep why do people keep
0: breaking up? Cause you didn't know how to talk. But please
1: continue. That
0: part. <laughs> you know, questioning what is this monogamy story? And realizing and Kenya talks a lot about this too. And you know, like we both have been in her learning communities for years. It was like me taking it in, but now it's like, oh, I actually feel this. I'm actually attempting to be in the practicum of this. Mm. The story that if, you know, when I, we're talking about these bonds and realizing I can have a bond with different people and it doesn't mean that one bond is better or more important to me than another one. Yeah. They're different. And that's what the monogamy story is. I have this bond with you and this bond is the most important to us all the time and we cannot have any other bond that we cannot tolerate the fact that the other might have another bond or another connection that is charged for them. Mm-hmm. And it's right. It's like the idea that it's so much about competition, monogamy,
2: mm-hmm.
0: who, who's going to get the man, who's going to get the woman,
2: mm-hmm.
0: who looks best, who does, who fucks best? Who, who's pussy the tightest? Who's pussy, who's pussy the wettest? Right. Who's, it's the biggest. Right. And it's like, is that, is that really how we're relating still? Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 it is. You know, to this point, right? Yes, there is a part of me that's deeply programmed there too. So I know I have abandonment. Keep it real with myself. I know there's abandonment issues that specifically circulate with men for me because of my relationship to my father. I know that's there. Mm -hmm. I know as a oldest child and being jealous of my younger brother, I know jealousy is there. Mm. So I have to know these things about me because they are going to pop up at any time. Monogamous, quote unquote, or not monogamous, quote unquote. It's going to come up. I'm going to go into that story. So then knowing how to communicate one, knowing how to see that story when it comes up in me, Oh, I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling jealous. I'm feeling afraid of being abandoned. And then two, being able to communicate that without saying you abandoned me, you did something bad by being able to communicate and say, can you hold space for me right now? I'm feeling really insecure. I'm noticing, feeling really scared. I'm realizing how important this relationship is to me. And sometimes I fear that it's going to go away.
1: Yeah. Well, that This is the gift to me of non-monogamy before I've you know, decided to have a family and be in a monogamous, committed relationship, I had a lot of non-monogamy, consciously, right? I was in relationships where they were open. I was in relationships where they, we were lying. I did it in many different ways, right? But one of the biggest gifts that it gave me was the gift of myself. The idea of, you know, I asked you that question about you having that kudalini experience while masturbating because that gives you the bond of yourself. That same bond that I would have with this person. When I feel the orgasm in my heart, you felt that orgasm in your heart alone. Right. And to me, what being a non-monogamous relationships taught me was I'm watching this person with that person. I'm in the room here. I have the same abandonment issues. I have, I have the same kind of jealousy issues. So what am I going to do right now? I could compare myself to this person. I could, there's so many things that could come up, or I could just become me. I can inhabit me right now. I can fully relate to myself. And I can have curiosity about why this relationship is doing it for you without comparing it to our relationship. Now I found, you know, my partner, my husband, I don't, I can't do that with that nigga. Like I just can't, <laughs> like there are, there are people that I can do that with and I have in the past, but with him, it's a little bit, I, I still got that like mine, right? But as we grow older, I've also noticed less of the mine because we're, we're, independently just becoming ourselves and it's that choice of like oh well I really like building this thing with you and if there were other people in this relationship that would be kind of um what's the word time consuming
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I think yeah and I you know I think my ideal situation is really having a primary person that we're committed time-wise we're committed in a journey together and like having the space and awareness and communication skills that when there is attraction that happens with someone else that we don't have to hide it we don't have to cheat Mm -hmm. on each other that there's room to talk about it because sometimes you know what is even monogamy I think limits what we can talk about with our intimate partner.
1: Absolutely. I
0: I can't tell him that I saw a man that I flirted with, or I saw my ex and I was attracted to him. Still, I can't talk about that. Mm -hmm. So instead, what do I do? I'm going to repress it. I'm going to repress it. I'm probably going to act on the repression in an unconscious way and possibly end up hurting this person who I, I love so much.
1: And what about, okay, let's talk about some of that. You talk a lot in your writing, your work, about surrendering to all the feelings, allowing yourself to feel everything. I want to really get into that. I want to tell you, I reflect you in this way. I have this, um, a dear friend, her mother told me, when something hard comes up, give yourself the space to feel it. But not just the space, give yourself a day, give yourself a week, give yourself a month. But she said, just put a time limit on it. like, she was like, put it, give yourself a container. Yes. The more that you ignore it, you're abandoning yourself. Right. And so I really find when like, I had like a work disappointment like this, this month, last month, I don't even remember now, but I had a work disappointment recently. And I was just like, I'm going to feel this all weekend. I'm going to go, I'm going to go in on this one, you know, and I'm just going to just, oof, just feel it. I'm going to be under the covers. I'm a stress eat. Oh, every time someone asks me how I'm doing, I'm going to say I'm terrible. <laughs> like,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Right? And I saw you speaking towards the same thing. And I, I really wanted you to just talk about, like, how did you get to that place where you're not judging your own grief, your own feeling of loneliness? anger the permission to feel enraged about things because i think in this love and light spiritual bullshit that people be on we think that we have to to not feel anything like we're not human anymore well have you meditated have you have you meditated yes yes bitch i meditated and i still felt
0: shitty like
1: and it's okay so what do you think about that shirley
0: Oh gosh, I think this is the real epidemic no one's talking about, mm. which is human beings being disconnected from their feelings. And I love this term that comes from the Kundalini um, perspective from a teacher. Emotions are senses of the soul. Mm. All emotions are senses of the soul anger, rage, jealousy, desire, joy, etc so when we disconnect from feeling any emotion what we're doing is we're shutting down on our connection to our soul
2: Mm.
0: and that's really where the travesty and the epidemic of of what comes from human beings who are disconnected from their soul we're we're looking at the world this is what it looks like actually Mm. everything I see all the tragic tragic things I see the the murders the Violence, I'm all like, this is because people are disconnected from their soul. It's so easy to see. Mm. I, honestly, I don't even be feeling too ruffled about it. I'm like, this is the equation. Disconnect from your soul, and this is what humanity looks like. Mm. It's, it's point blank in my mind. I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, that's what happens. It's not about, to me, it's not about morals. It's not about right and wrong. It's not about all the political shit. It's just disconnect from your soul. That, that will lead you to kill someone, murder someone and for no reason. That's it. You have to be disconnected from your soul, your sense of humanity to act out something like that. It's the only way you can do it. Mm-hmm. So it's been a journey to, to really accept all of myself. Continues to be a journey because there's still little moments where I'm like, ah, and then I'm like, hold on. Mm-hmm. I agree that this like, Give yourself the space. My aunt passed away at the beginning of this month. My aunt, who is another mother to me, I grew up in a family where my aunts were my second mothers. They're aunt mothers. Mm-hmm. I grew up with, with getting dropped off at auntie's house or grandparents' house all the time as a kid. Mm-hmm. So, and I know I was like, okay. And noticing grief is so much more than even what these, you know, they say five stages of grief. I was like, life is grief. Mm. Life is grief. This whole thing is grief. Mm. My avoidance of it, because I noticed wow, I want to avoid talking to my aunt right now. And I said, I'm going to give myself space to be avoidant. Wow, I'm distracting myself. Wow, I'm going to love up on that part that's distracted. You want to be on Instagram nonstop? Go ahead, baby girl. Be on Instagram nonstop. Oh, I'm going to be crying. I'm going to be wailing in the bathtub. Go ahead, baby girl. Wail in the bathtub.
2: Being
0: mm-hmm. like, this is the whole, even the avoidance or the like ways that I wanted to keep working were part of the grief. And then my mother said to me, she said, I'm going to tell you something that my aunt, her aunt said to her, she said, when her mother died, when my grandma died, she said, give yourself time to do nothing. She said, mm-hmm. do very little. And that's what I did. I ended up taking some days off of work and like to your point of what you said you were doing this weekend, similar being like, I just feel heavy. I don't want to get dressed. I don't want to shower. I'm on my couch binge watching shows. I'm napping. I'm not, I'm not trying to feel anything different than what I feel, which is heaviness, Um, a mix of heaviness. Heaviness was very present and anger, sadness, hopelessness helplessness Mm. um feeling uncared for feeling purposeless just going all the way into that
1: it feels like you you just described what everybody feels in the united states right now
0: yeah probably and probably everyone needs to take a day to feel that you cannot heal what you will not feel that's the other thing Again, when I look at what's happening in society, I'm like, I just see it point blank. Everyone is emotionally repressed. Everyone's denying their emotions and denying their needs at the same time, because emotions are going to give us information about what we need. So people are walking around here, you know, I cannot stand even the language of like, be positive. I'm like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Yep. Do not positive negative me, do not. Nothing is positive, nothing is negative, meet me there. Meet me in the neutral, meet me in the middle. Again, which is why I love kundalini yoga. It's so, talks about, we have three minds, a positive mind, a negative mind, and a neutral mind. And knowing how to use each mind for what it's designed for. Your positive mind, that's when you could be like, okay, I feel expansive, i am a grow. Negative mind is designed to protect. I feel afraid. I'm not sure if that's the right thing to do. Neutral mind is neither. Neutral mind is I'm here right now. So knowing how to then discern and be like, that's my negative mind, that's my positive mind, that's my neutral mind. They're all gifts, they're all necessary. So this yeah. whole thing about be positive, don't be negative. First of all, negative is the feminine aspect. So that's also part of the patriarchy. That's come on, of, come on. That's <laughs> part of the system of why people have dry pussy because they can't even understand how potent and powerful the negative is, how potent and powerful the dark, what, they, what is called the dark is. That's where all life comes from. Dark all goddess, comes, dark all, goddess. All life comes from God. that. All life comes from dark soil, dark emotions. That's where people become themselves. I wanna, say, I wanna say here,
1: I know there's a lot of parents that listen to this podcast. I think it's really important as mothers I don't know if my partner would agree, but he's not a mother. It's important as mothers to show your children that you are not just happy, nurturing. Uh, let me help you. i let I told my three- year old yesterday, I can eat you like a lion. <laughs> I can eat you like a lion. Yes, I'm more of the pushover parent, right? But if you push me to a certain level, I'm going to eat you like a lion. Everybody in here, I said ask your brothers. They said, "Oh yeah, she'll eat you like a lion." You don't want to see segment on me. I'm not ashamed of segment. We want to talk about Oshun. We want to talk about Yemaya. You know, but we talk about Oya cuz Oya's she's changed. It feels almost neutral. Sekhmet is going to eat
0: you like a lion. Or y'all will destroy everything you have ever had. Kali will also eat you, will stomp
1: on your head. And that yang feminine energy, which we've definitely talked about on this podcast, you can go back to Kali Rising episode. That yang feminine energy has to be honored. It has to be I don't, this is a podcast that's supposed to be about joy and pleasure. You think right now I'm going to sit up and just talk about joy and pleasure? That's not where we are. Like, that's not, that's not the totality of this moment. And we can find joy and pleasure in our unearthing. We can find joy and pleasure in our change. We can find joy and pleasure in the difficult healing moment that we're in. The reckoning, for me, is a pleasure. I take great pleasure in watching LeBron James say, "Fuck this shit! I'm done." I said, "Oh oh, 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 look at everybody getting off the plantation. Come on, let's go. How long did it take? Come on, everybody. We off the plantation
0: now. I take great joy in that. Yeah, and I think there's something, t- Yoni, t- uh, yo, I say Yoni. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Noni, Yoni, Yoni. Coming through <laughs> that dark womb, also, which is where all life comes from. Um, I think it's very scary for most, I'll just say for most people, but for most women also, to get in touch with the part of themselves. Like you said, you, you said to your kid, I will eat you like a lion to get in touch with the part of ourself as a woman that is like, I will eat you like a lion and enjoy it. I will will ruin your whole life and I will take pleasure in it. Consciously be like, oh, I will enjoy this process. I will drink your blood. I will smear it on my face and make it give me a facial. And rejuvenate my stem cells. You, know, there's so much shame about. Being like, oh so instead, what do we have? We have real hip, We have Real Housewives of wherever. Because right. That same archetype is getting played out, but it's getting played out from an unconscious place, rather than when we play it out from being conscious of like where we need to be. Like I will ruin this whole system and drink my tea while doing it. Mm. I will ruin this whole system in my bathtub. Mm. and come out after like nothing happened Mm. don't get it twisted what it's like to be it consciously in that place that's the difference when you consciously love that part of yourself i love that part of myself that will do that it's different than i'm not supposed to be that but i love watching real housewives of fill in the blank Mm. people are starving to women are starving to connect with that part of themselves
1: that's the part that's in the birthing room when you're the baby is crowning Mm. that baby is crowning. And you are like, you know what? I'm dying right now. Mm. I am dying. I have never felt anything like this. All of those, those, you know, the labor pains leading up to that moment, but that moment, that burning when that baby is coming through the canal, that head is, is coming and you got to go for that last, You're like, I think I'm gonna die, I can't do this. I remember that part of me. I've done it four times. I remember that part of me. I'm laughing because it's uncomfortable to claim that blood on your face. That moment is bloody, that moment is raw, that moment you're not thinking about performing. There is no one more important than you. There is no one more important than you. Every time I look at my dude, like, are you really talking to me right now? Do you know what the fuck I have to do right now? (laughs) You need to please be quiet. Don't say anything. And it takes those kind of moments for us to feel like we can inhabit that kind of a
0: demand, right? I don't have to ask nicely. That's where wildness is. That's actually the true spirit of the human being. It's, that's undomesticated. I'm interested in being an undomesticated woman. Mm. Wild, free, that means, right? If I feel angry, I feel angry and I'm in it. If I feel relaxed, I'm relaxed and I'm in it. There's no, like your, that key word, performance. You know, when we're wild, we're not even aware that there would be anyone to perform for.
1: We don't give a fuck.
0: It doesn't even register. Mm. Because we're so, like you said, embodied in our own experience. And it's that level of, right, someone who will be like, I will ruin you. I will be so embodied in my experience of ruining you that I will tap into pleasure. Mm. Where would that,
1: when you, when you, when you say that, Where would that be used as a tool?
0: Well, you know, as I say that, there's also the part of me that's like, you know, even what I'm saying is ruining, right? I'm thinking of, if we think about this archetype, we think about what's going on on the planet right now, right? Okay. The, the storms, the fires.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Earth, I, will, I will shut this whole shit down. Absolutely. Don't get it twisted on a level, that's what I hear. I will I will ruin you because also you can't be ruined, you are me. You're going, if you die, you're going ashes to ashes, you know, you're returning back to me.
1: I want you to, every time I, I say white psychosis, I got this from you. You're giving us language. Shirley had an incredible live talking about No more white supremacy. It's white succulents, right? And I think when we're talking about that energy that you're saying,
0: it's destroying this idea. Yes, and this is one of the areas, I think, for sure. For sure. Like, I mean, I'm glad that these basketball players have been like, nah, we're boycotting. Great, I'm glad they're following suit of many other people who've already been on a boycott. Striking. Striking, excuse me. Striking. Who are striking? Great. And that's the kind of energy. I will strike. I will. I'm not participating.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I will. I will shut this whole shit down. Mm -hmm. I will shut the whole shit down. And I don't even care if that means I get shut down in it. I, if I light a fire to this whole room to shut it all down, I will go down in the fire too. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of it. So I think that's where the energy can be used. I think the energy can be used when we need to ruthlessly take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Most women, again, I'm just, that's who's coming to me. Most women are programmed and socialized to not take care of themselves, to Mm -hmm. be at the will of others and not even know they are. Mm -hmm. I see this in my work hour by hour. (laughs) And that's the term that's coming to me, ruthless self-care. I don't care what how that impacts you. I don't care if your whole day gets fucked up. I don't care if the whole presentation can't happen. That's what it is. I'm not participating. I can't do it. I don't care if this whole country gets shut down.
1: I don't give a fuck.
0: I don't give a fuck.
1: No, I don't. We needed to start over anyway.
0: Ben needed that. I I want to ask. A lot of places that this energy can be used. I think it's really necessary in... People it being like, you really want a new system? Because if you do, that's the energy we're going to need. It's not, well, I'm going to keep this part, but let that part go. And I don't want anyone to think I'm being mean, so let me do it like this. Uh-uh.
1: So we talk about, you, we talking about the ruthless dark goddess. I want to go to the other side of what you teach is the soft. Mm-hmm. I want to go to the other side, the soft, the ease you have this word divine feminine economy oh boom everybody knows i like my money i like my money divine feminine economy i said you better come on bitch divine feminine economy wait you you saying i could get
0: rich chilling yes that's the term actually my my sister teacher siri rishi um I think she might've come up with that term, but we've been building around it. I was calling it feminomics. Mm. Come on, tell us about that. What is that? Yeah, and I, I wanna say, you know, the dark, like the both of these goddesses live inside of each other. Mm-hmm. So the only way to get to the soft, soft tenderness is to, get to the, is to go through the ruthless, ruthless. And the only way to get to the ruthless, ruthless is to go through the soft tenderness. It's yin-yang. Yes. They're inside of each other. So if you really will touch one, you're going to touch the other. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not touching neither. Um, divine feminine economy and feminomics. We are building a new, a new economic system. <laughs> Everything is being rebuilt, as you said. We needed to start over. And what this looks like is all of these narratives that are based on white psychosis, pull yourself up by the bootstrap, meritocracy. Uh, You have to work 40 hours a week to be given a paycheck by someone else. All Mm -hmm. of that is, we're all seeing it's a myth, Mm -hmm. an illusion. If you want to choose to go that route, you can. And and not to say that if you go a different route, there's still a lot for many of us that programming, I got to hustle, I got to be on all the time.
2: Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. what I've seen is that impacts my nervous system and uh, limits my creativity, limits my sense of generosity of what can flow through me. And so this new way, this divine feminine economy is saying, slow down, Mm. prioritize relaxation, Mm. Um, be, fill up your being, fill up your being. Prioritize your relationship to spirit. Mm. Prioritize your healing journey, whatever that means or looks like for you. That is what magnet is is to do is to um, this divine feminine economy is based on magnetism is stronger than electricity. Mm. Becoming the magnet that we already are strengthening that magnetism so strengthening our aura. That's why I love the Kundalini yoga also. It works on all those subtle bodies. It works on your aura, it works on your arc line, it works on this thing. It's not just about what your physical body can produce anymore. This is we're moving through that time.
1: We're in a new timeline. We're in the energetic
0: yeah. timeline. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's about your aura magnetizing everything you need. Mm-hmm and that means you have to pay attention to your aura and know how to fill up your aura.
1: I love it. What a wonderful conversation. I have I have a joy and pleasure lightning round to end this, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I love a good a good lightning round. All right. Shirley Johnson. Shirley Johnson with the pecan
0: pie. What? <laughs> my grandma loved pecan pie. I know. My mother she said, "How did you know I love pecan pie?" And my aunt was like, "Mom, you're black." <laughs> <laughs> I love pecan. Who does it? And you call it pecan.
1: So what makes you feel most alive? A good night
0: of sleep. Come through, Taurus. If we really knew you, we would know that. I am a lot more ruthless than you think. (laughs)
1: Look at the beautiful smile. What is the first thing you do when you don't feel good?
0: I don't believe in not feeling good. Everything is perfectly The way that I need to feel.
1: Mm. What is something you were afraid of that no longer scares you? My student loans. You you hear this realness? (laughs) (laughs) So nobody got to be scared of them them things anymore. Nope. (laughs) It's over, y'all. Don't trip. What comforts you? My weighted blanket. Mm. what turns you on?
0: Being deeply listened to. How do you practice self-love? Hot baths, um, lots of smells and aromas burning or diffusing through my home, and making time to be with me. How do you rest? How do I rest? (laughs) I rest very thankfully. I love resting, I rest by in that weighted blanket. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Share with us a healthy habit or ritual. I oil pull every morning. So I wake up and the first thing I do before I brush my teeth is I take a tablespoon of coconut oil and swish it in my mouth for 20 minutes. And that is to take care of my gums and teeth and mouth naturally and remove any toxins from the mouth
1: affirm yourself i am everything you sure are shirley johnson thank you for being on the all heart podcast oh (laughs) thank you let us know where we can find you where people can follow you they gotta take your class all your classes on money they gotta they gotta know what's up
0: yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is soulisticwellness, Soulistic Wellness, S O U L I S T I C wellness. I post all my events there. My website links are there as well.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Noni.